So conformed or transformed, that's what we're going to be talking about today, and we're going to be looking at just really one central verse to help us. We're going to be unpacking this verse that was written by the Apostle Paul almost 2,000 years ago. He said this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and we're going to start with just the first part of the verse. He said this, he says, do not be, what's the word there? Or do not what? Do not what? Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. So we're going to just stop right there. We're going to pause there. There's more to the verse. We're going to get to more of the verse in a few moments. But do not conform any longer, which means that they had been already. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And so when I think about the word conform, because it's a great big word, and if you're a second grader in this room, you're probably like, what does it mean to be conformed? And the best way that I can explain the word conformed is with some Play-Doh. How many of you guys like Play-Doh? I love Play-Doh. I love, you, know what, you want to know what I love about Play-Doh the most? And this is a little bit because I have a little bit of OCD, okay, just a little bit. I love Play-Doh when it is brand new right out of the container. And I have, this is Disney branded frozen Play-Doh, so it's extra special. It even smells magical, okay? Yeah, and so this, is this Elsa? I need some of the girls in the front. Is this, is this Elsa here? Okay, I don't like Anna, so I'm gonna let her go. Just let it go. You, let it go? She's still, okay, all right, I was trying. And so we have Elsa here, and there's a brand, I've never, never opened this can. Oh, that new can smell, right? And Play-Doh, when you take it right out of the can, you know, it's still, it's still in that manufactured state. And because you know I have a little OCD. And so I, I, I love, like, it hasn't been touched by human hands until now. My fingerprints are on it. But you know what the word conformed actually means? In fact, there's a, a guy who's long dead named J.B. Phillips. And he actually put this verse this way. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. And that's, that's a great way of putting this verse because that's what conformed means. Conformed is being squeezed. And so this, this untainted, fresh, brand new Play-Doh is now being squeezed. And it's, it's taking the shape now of, that I want it to take. Instead of maybe the shape that it was actually designed to be in. That's, that's what conformed means. Conformed means when I take the shape of something else. And you know what, we, we all do this to a degree or another, don't we? Sometimes we take the shape of the people around us. Kids in school, man, sometimes you take the shape of your friends around you, even though you don't necessarily agree with what they're saying, or you don't even necessarily like what they're doing. It's amazing when you see a group of friends how they will all start talking the same way after a while, right? Have you seen this before? Or even you see a group of friends and how they all start dressing the same way. I, I had a guy growing up who said this. He said, show me your friends and I will show you your future. Amen. That's true, isn't it? And that's not just true for kids. That's true for grown-ups, right? Like the people that you surround yourself with are so important because what happens is if we don't, if we're not careful, we start conforming. We start taking the shape of the people around us. And so kids, this is uber important. As you go into school, man, find other kids that are kids of integrity, that have a hard work ethic, who are kind to others. Man, make sure that you're surrounding themselves with, with those kids because those are the kids that are gonna shape you. You're gonna start taking it and you're gonna affect them. It's gonna be vice versa. It's gonna go both ways. 
And so, so this is the idea. When the Bible says do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, it's talking about taking the shape, being squeezed into the mold of what the world says. Now it goes a little deeper than this as well though. We talked several weeks ago, if you've been a journey, we did a series where we looked at some iconic rides from Cedar Point and talked about some spiritual truths and we talked about an old ride, it's not there anymore, but it was a ride that I loved when I was a kid called the Demon Drop. And uh, yeah, some, someone was like, oh, the PTSD right there, you know, like, oh, feeling that one right now. And what, what we talked about, the timeless truth is that evil is real. And sometimes we try to ignore it and, well, I don't believe in demons. I don't believe in the devil or Satan. No, Jesus believed in the devil. He believed in demons. He believed in Satan. And, and, and we know that evil is real. I mean, after the last week, watching the news and watching things going on, especially things going down in, in Afghanistan, I mean, we know that evil is real, don't we? And so it's not just the, that, that there's an arbitrary way that the world is trying to squeeze us into its mold, but there's actually an intent behind it from the evil one Satan himself who wants us to look not like the way God wants us to look, but to look the way that he wants us to look. And what happens is we begin to be squeezed into something that, that really isn't how God, what God has for us. I think of a pair of shoes. Have you ever tried on a pair of shoes and they're just like a half size too small or maybe even a full size too small, but you really like the shoes? Most guys in this room, we've never dealt with this before, right? Because we just wear shoes that are comfortable and if they're not comfortable, we don't wear them. But some of you ladies in this room, you will punish yourself by wearing a pair of shoes that don't fit because they look good, right? And if there's any chiropractors in this room, they will tell you this is not good for you. Because it doesn't just affect your feet, it affects your structural system. You start compensating. Before you know it, you got a backache and it's all going back to the shoes that you wear. See, sometimes, listen, when we're squeezed into a shape that we're not meant to be in, it will hurt us. It will change the way we walk. It'll, it'll, there'll be parts of us that we don't even know that it's linked to that. And so the evil one, he wants to squeeze us into ways of thinking that are contrary to the ways of God. And listen, this is, this is just baked into everything around us. It's baked into the Netflix shows that we binge watch, the ways of this world, the thoughts of this world, the way the world wants us to think. It's saturated in our social media. It surrounds us in every level. And some of you are going, what are you talking about, Dechant? Like, what, what, let me give you some specific examples. I, I look at a couple categories I promise this, this part of the sermon will be really quick, but, but the world has a way that it wants you to think about certain things. The world has a way, and this is all influenced, in, from my belief, from, from the demonic realm, has a way that it wants you to think about finances. I can, can I tell you the way that the world wants you to think about finances is broke. The world teaches materialism and greed. Make as much money as you can, even at the expense of others. And this is why there are people who will work so hard and try to make so much money and yet their family suffers because they're never at home. The world teaches that, you know, there's always bigger, there's always better right around the horizon. And what I have isn't good enough. I need more. I need what my neighbor has. I need what the person I work with has. The world teaches us that the saving is for losers and generosity should be sporadic and minimal at best. The world teaches to spend beyond your resources because I need this, right? I'll pay for it later or another generation will pay for it later. That's, that's what the world says about finance. What, what does the world say about relationships? 
You know, the, really the, the creed is, I deserve to be happy. It's all about my happiness. And so I don't wanna do this over here even though it's a blessing to somebody else because it's taking time for me and I deserve to be happy. The world teaches that love and lust are interchangeable. And so we can say to somebody, I love you, but what we're really saying is I lust you. (laughs) Some of the older kids will get that. The world teaches that God's standards of sexuality are outdated and old fashioned. The world teaches that vows are made to be broken, that I fell in love, I can fall out of love. The world teaches that forgiveness is optional. And after what she said to me, I will never forgive her, right? Hold on to that grudge, baby. You don't have to forgive them. I don't, I'm never gonna talk to him again. What does the world have to say about morality? See, these are all ways that the world wants us to conform. These are all thought patterns that the world wants us to take on. Uh, The world says this about morality. Do what makes you feel good, just don't hurt anybody, or at least don't hurt them physically. (laughs) Rules and standards are subjective, that there's no such thing as truth. As long as you believe in you, you'll be okay. I've been hearing that one a lot. Just, as long as you believe in you, what does that even mean? Well, I believe in me. I'm an idiot sometimes. I really am, I'm a knucklehead because I'm selfish. As long as I believe in me, what is that? You don't owe anything to anybody, just be you, right? Well, yeah, we do, we live in a thing called community. We live in relationships with one another. We, we do need to sacrifice ourselves at times for others. That's, that's the whole idea behind community. What does the world say about technology? Some of the kids in this room might not like this one as much. See, we live in a time where technology is just so intrusive in our lives, right? And the question is, are we using technology or is technology using us? I'll say that, let me say it differently. Are you using social media or is social media using you? And we gotta pay attention to this. Sometimes without even thinking about it, we, we allow technology to be the end all be all at the expense of relationships around us. And so my spouse, my wife is calling out to me to, hey, I need your help. And I'm saying, I just need one more minute with this group of people who really don't care about me. <laughs> Cause I'm posting something really cool that they will like. No, at the expense of my wife. See, see how technology and, and the evil one, I think, I mean, you don't have to agree with me. I think the evil one is behind all of this. He doesn't care about your relationships. And so what happens is if we're not careful, we are being squeezed into the mold of this world, into the mold of the evil one. We're no longer taking the shape that God wants us to take. What does the world say about religion? See, the evil one is fine with you being religious, He'll say religion is okay as long as you don't get too carried away. Don't get too passionate about this thing. You do you, God is love. A loving God would never create a hell. He certainly wouldn't ever send someone to hell. A loving God isn't gonna really deal with injustice. I mean, we we want a loving God to deal with the injustices that we care about, we just don't want him to deal with the injustices that are inherent inside of us, right? Getting real quiet in here. Don't, don't talk about your faith, it's personal, keep it to yourself, right? This is the world's way of thinking. And we, as followers of Jesus, have to be so intentional. And here's what I would encourage you to do. You, we need to learn how to think critically about the messages that the world is sending us. Because we use the example of Plato for conforming, 
I'm gonna put the lid on this because I don't want it to dry out. Who likes dried out Play-Doh, right? Not me. Some, if you want some Play-Doh afterward, come up and talk to me afterward and, and we'll hook you up. So, so we talked about Play-Doh in conforming, but you know there's another analogy to conforming and it's an analogy of a tube of toothpaste. I've got, I told you earlier, I've got a little OCD in me, so I like toothpaste to be a certain way. But here's the idea, in the Greek, the idea of conforming is that it's an outside pressure that is squeezing you. And so really, the, one of the best analogies is toothpaste. And what happens when you squeeze toothpaste out of the tube is, and anybody in here who's like me, you're going, look at what you're doing in that poor tube. And don't you know that when you squeeze toothpaste, you're supposed to start at the bottom and neatly and carefully fold it over? Anybody with me in this room, right? Don't be an animal. Come on, we are, we are reasonable human beings in this room, right? But that's not the example I was going to give, but anyhow. When we squeeze, what happens as I'm squeezing this toothpaste out, this outside pressure is exerted and I'm conforming, what happens is I become empty on the inside. I become hollow. And the problem is the world, the world doesn't have anything to really give back to me. All that God has put in me so that I can flourish and so I can be fulfilled and so I can be fruitful, it is all being squeezed out of me. That's the bad news. Turn to the person next to you and say, that's some bad news. It's really bad news that he now has a plate of toothpaste. That's just gross, right? Like, what is up with that, Ben Avery? Like, I don't know. That's weird, right? So there's, there's good news, though. The Bible says do not, be conform, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But the rest of it, or the middle part says this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would, can we all read this together? It's up on the screen. I know it's a little faded, but can you read this with me? It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love that. Don't conform. Rather, instead, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Conformity is all about an outside pressure that's squeezing. Transformation is all about what God wants to do inside of you, and transformation is inherently from the inside out. In fact, what Paul is saying, if we literally translated him, he says, be being transformed. Because it's a process. Transformed isn't something that happens one time. Transformed is something that happens repeatedly, minute by minute, hour by hour, week after week, we're being transformed. Now I explain what conformed means, it's squeezing, right? Putting you into a mold, into a shape that you weren't meant to be. What does transformed mean? Well, I think the best way to describe transformed is with some transformers. Any of you have any transformers at your house? I loved, I'm the generation that grew up with transformers more than meets the... Right, we, we could sing the whole song, couldn't we? But he, here's what transformers do. Transformers inherently transform from one object into another object, right? Like the old school transformers, you know, back before they created like a whole universe of them, was usually a vehicle, some kind of car or a truck. In this case, it's a fire engine. And, and you would do just a few simple things, and all of a sudden, now this fire engine is a robot, right? It transforms from one thing into another thing. You know, God wants to do that for us. God wants to transform us. See, we're all, uh, Pastor Aaron said at the beginning of the service, we're all sinners. We've all messed up. There's not one person in here who can say, I have totally lived by God's standards every day of my life. Nobody has. 
We've all rejected God, we've all rebelled against God. And so God sees us in that state and he goes, that's not who I created you to be. That's not what I want for you. That's not the shape that I want you to be in. And God through his spirit and through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ longs to transform us into something different. And it all begins when we humble ourselves and come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I've sinned against you. Have mercy on me, forgive me. I believe that Jesus, you died on the cross to take upon yourself the punishment that I deserve, to take my sins upon you. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you be the master and leader of my life? And when we pray that, and it's not just a prayer, it's not just a ritual that we do, but we mean it inside of our hearts, what starts to happen is God begins a process of transforming us. In fact, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if anyone has experienced that miracle of forgiveness, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. You're brand new, you're not who you used to be. You're brand new. He says this, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, behold, the old is gone and the new has come. The new has arrived, you're you're a transformer, you're being transformed, this is what God wants to do. He wants to transform you. And what does he wanna transform you into? He wants you to begin to look like him. Now, Now, we won't ever totally look like God. God is God, right? We can't, but we can have his characteristics. We can have the fruit of the Holy Spirit inside of us that when we rub shoulders with other people that they see the compassion of Jesus inside of us, that they see that increasingly we're looking more and more like God and how not just we act and not just how we think, but how we react, right? That when things don't go the way that we think that they should, that instead of you know cussing and swearing and kicking and yelling and screaming, like that God's character comes out inside of us and people go, whoa. I didn't expect that. I expected you to react differently, right? Like this is a transformed life. So how are we transformed? Paul says, but be transformed by, how? By the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our mind? How do we renew our mind? Well, we need need truth to offset the falsehoods out there, right? And how do we get this truth? We get this truth from God's word. That God's word is truth. When we were building this building, you know, several months ago, they started the process of of building this building and and they first came in and they had excavators, these big machines that came in and started digging up dirt and moving dirt around and then they came in and they had these huge concrete trucks that came in and started pouring the foundation for this building. And I could tell you when they were pouring the foundation, I knew knew it was gonna happen. They're like, hey, we're gonna be pouring the foundation in the next couple weeks. And I'm like, oh, this is gonna be awesome, right? And then they took so long because they came out and they had surveyors and they're measuring everything and they had these, all these different kind of levels and squares and I got a level up here, this is a laser level and if it was lighter in here, is this hitting anybody in the eyes yet? My goal is that I, I wanna hit somebody in the eye. No, I'm just joking. And, I'll turn it off because I don't want to impale anybody, you know, walk out blind. I went into church, I saw fine, and then I left blind. That would be horrible, right? <laughs> Sounds like the reverse of the song that we all used to sing. And so, so why do they have all these levels and squares and do all this? Because they know that from the foundation up, everything has to be just right. A contractor can't come in, he can't just go, yeah, I think we're going to wing it. I'm just going to eyeball, it looks straight to me, it looks level. No, it's gotta be level. They gotta use all these machines and all these gadgets and all this because if it's not level, 
then when they build upon it, everything else is going to be off, right? They'll put up one, and what if they eyeballed the first wall? Oh, we'll just eyeball it. Well, then the next wall is going to be off. Then before you know it, it's just, it's just not, maybe you won't even know, but you'll just feel that it's different, right? You'll walk in, you, it just, this floor doesn't feel level. Like, what is up with this, right? See, God's word is a level. God's word is a square. And so we don't have to wing it, and we don't have to go, oh, I think. No, we can go to God's word, and God's word instructs us. And as we put God's word in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, then what happens is our minds begin to be transformed, We start thinking the way that God wants us to think. You know, the best way to do this is not to read huge quantities every day. You know, when I was a kid, I I, I thought that, you know, to be holy, it meant, you know, if I read five chapters of the the Bible a day, man, I'm really holy. No, 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 it just meant that I read a lot. Just meant I was a nerd, right? But here's here's how I knew. If someone asked me what I read, I couldn't remember what I read because I'd read so much. Here's, and if you've been around Journey, you've heard me say this all the time, it's not about the quantity, it's not about how much scripture you read every day, it's about the quality. Read a few paragraphs, and then read those same paragraphs at other times throughout the day. Put God's word inside of you. Memorize God's word. Don't just, don't just read it and walk away from it. Allow God's word to transform you. You're not reading for information, you're reading for transformation. And don't just do this like once a week. You know, I was, I was reading this article about some, these dietitians talking about different diets, and we've all heard some of the fads. Some of, some of you guys have done like the intermittent fasting and, and all this different stuff, and dietitians still to this day will tell you, hey, the best, the best way to, to treat your body right and to live healthy is to eat small portions like throughout the day. Like the best way is not to gorge and, you know, eat all you can in one meal and then to not eat, you know, for another week. That would be stupid, Right? No, they say eat and not just eat, you know, okay, some of you are going, oh, I can just eat a little bit every 45 minutes? Okay, Snickers, here I come, right? Like, that Snickers satisfies, right? No, 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 it's got to be healthy, okay? That's a caveat, that's a disclaimer. It's got to be healthy. But they would say just eat a little bit, you know, every 45 minutes, every hour and a half. And you know the same thing is true of God's word. When we just gorge, just eat all we can once a week in church, and then we walk away and we don't approach the word of God anymore, it doesn't do anything for us. It doesn't. I want to challenge you. Make God's word a priority. Set reminders on your phone throughout the day. Find find whatever methods or means that you can. There's great apps that you can put on your phone. Carrie and I just subscribed to something. We haven't even started using it. So once we get, we haven't gotten it in the mail yet, but once we get in the mail, I'm going to do a Facebook Live. And and what it it is, it's a way to memorize God's word. It's called Dwell Differently. I'm going to give them a plug. I don't get anything back from this. DwellDifferently.com. What they do is they take a, you get a verse each month to memorize. They take the first letter of that memory verse and make a really cool graphic design out of it, and they send you a whole pack of temporary tattoos. And so your whole family can do this together. We could all do it as a church because it's the same verse for everybody. It's a monthly subscription. And, and, you, and you get this on you, and then it's just the first letter of each word in the memory verse, so it helps you to kind of, kind of memorize it. And then they send you some artwork that you can put up you know, in your office for that month or put on a, a counter in your kitchen. And wh- here, you say, why are you telling us about this? I'm just looking for any tool I can to help me to memorize God's word. 
I'd love for our, my family, I told Carrie, I said, what if our whole family every month memorized this? My, my kids don't even know, they're going, what are you talking about? You're telling the church this, like, let's do something cool. You know, if the whole family does it every month, Twisty Treat, right? Like, come on. Some of you like that Dole Whip from Twisty Treat? Or what, what's your favorite from Twisty Treat? Got a, got a favorite? What? Come on, banana milkshake. I hear it, banana milkshake. So anyhow, I, I, I digress. So, so here, here's our challenge, and the rest of the verse ends this way. So the first part was do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold, right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then here's the end. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that so rich? Like so many of us are confused about the things of God and I don't know, I don't know what I should do here and, and we live with such anxiety and we, we live with such stress and, and the Bible says, listen, you don't have to be anxious, you don't have to be stressful, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is but what do you gotta do first? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and then I love this. Um, I put this in my, in my notes, and this is kind of a way of concluding this, and then we're going to have some students come up and pray over them. But I think, I think the best way to think about this is, is, is to say it this way. God loves you. you. You know that. I mean, some of you are like, yeah, well, I know he loves the people around me. I don't think he loves me that much. I want, I want to say to every person in this room, God loves you. It's not just something we say. It's not like just a bumper sticker. God loves you. In fact, he doesn't just love you. Get this. He likes you. Sometimes that's harder to accept, right? It's like, well, I know he loves me because he got to love everybody, right? But he doesn't have to like me. No, he likes you too. God loves you so much. And God sees the brokenness that is around you and the brokenness that is around me and the brokenness that is in this world. He, he sees it. And he doesn't want his followers to reflect that brokenness. He wants you to be renewed. He wants you to be transformed. Why? Why does he want all that for you? Because you're worth it. Because you're worth it. He created you. He fashioned you. He formed you. You're not an accident. You're not an oops. You're worth it. Not only did God create you, but when he saw that you rebelled against him and went your own way, you're worth it so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. That at the cross, Jesus took the punishment that every single one of us deserve. You're worth it. You're worth it. God knows the emptiness of conforming. He knows the emptiness of going with the flow. And you don't have to try to fit in. Why? Because you're worth it. Every time, uh, as you leave this morning, we're gonna give everybody who wants one, one of these stickers. And uh, we, we gave out a, a different version of this last year. This year, this is our 2.0 version of You're Worth It. These You're Worth It stickers. And I gotta tell you, I've seen these stickers all over the place since we started handing them out last year. Uh, I've seen them on, on kids' water bottles and on folders, and I've seen them inside people's cars. Thursday, I was at a Sabides uh, coffee, and they have coffee and crepes over in Tiffin. Have you ever been to Sabides? If you ever, right there by the University of Tiffin. And uh, went in, and right there on the cash register, was the old school, you're worth it sticker right there in the cash register. I was like, that's so cool. But as you leave this morning, every, anybody who wants one, if you're not gonna use it, don't take one. They cost too much money to just throw away. So if, you're, if, you're, if you'll stick it somewhere, you, you can take it. But every time you see the sticker, I want you to know, yes, you are worth it. You are worth it. I want you to know that you're worth what Jesus did for you on the cross. 
But I also want you to know that you're worth not conforming. You're worth not allowing the world to squeeze you into its mold because the world is broken and it will break you and it will empty you and you'll end up hollow. You're worth living a transformed life. You're worth taking the time to intentionally renew your mind. You are worth it. You're worth it.